0: You are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, York Region. For more information, visit hbcyr.ca. Amen. As you're taking your seats, I would ask you please to open up your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 15. Uh, Proverbs chapter 15, verse 21. One verse today, but so much uh, rich knowledge and instruction to glean from this one verse. I tell you, it was really nice yesterday coming to church, and this morning waking up, going outside and seeing that nice sun beam down. It really does seem, I don't know, There's, I think there's four groundhogs. One of them's got to be right each year, right? And I'm fine if we have more sun here on out all the way to July. Um, not only could we, could, we be getting to the end of winter, but right now in February, some of you who might be pop culture fans know that we're actually getting to the end End of 2016 awards season, uh, you might have recently watched the Grammys. They were on uh, on TV recently. Uh, if you're like really hipster, the SAG Awards, or and the Oscars are coming up. But um, I was looking online and I actually found some very unique, obscure. Um, awards that are handed out annually. One of them is very interesting. is called the Stella Awards, and these are I, th- I think it's primarily in the states because this seems to be indicative of the culture sometimes of the states. Uh, the Stella Awards are given to the most outrageous lawsuits of the year. Yeah, and uh, another one that's a little more obscure, but you might know, um, Oxford Dictionary every year puts out their word of the year. And uh, this year for 2016, the word of the year was post-truth. And if you've been watching, again, the culture of politics is happening down in the States, that's probably more of an America thing. But I looked down on the short list of like words that were close to the 2016 word of the year, and there's one that I knew and that I've heard so many times. Um, that, that's the word adulting. All right. Not adultery, um, adulting. Like take the noun adult and make it a, a verb. Here's the, the definition for adulting. The practice of behaving in a way characteristic of a responsible adult, especially the accomplishment of mundane but necessary tasks. And uh, I'm really glad to be able to serve on Thursday nights with um, the young adults 18 to 30 years old. And sometimes when I hear this word said by either them or myself, maybe, or on television, it's, adult. it's like, oh, I got to adult so much. Can I just have recess? Ugh. And we bemoan this adulthood thing. And now, on Thursday nights in Harvest Young Adults, we're doing a series on wisdom. And today, we're actually going to kind of take a little bit of what's happening on Thursday nights and bring it here on Sunday morning that we have this word that young adults bemoan the responsibility of growing up called adulting and we're studying it on Thursday nights because it it feels like sometime between grade 11 and oh my goodness, I'm $30,000 in student debt, someone sat us down, uh, it's like someone sat us down at a table, took out a puzzle, dumped it on the table, burned the box and said, welcome to adulthood. And maybe you're a young adult like myself and you feel like that often. Or maybe you've already hit 20 years old three times over, but uh, Christian maturity still seems to escape you. And maybe you feel like Christian maturity, it's like I'm trying to build up this spiritual house and every time I get to the second story, the, the weight of all the materials that I want to build this house, the weight of my flesh just crumbles down upon me. So we're looking at Proverbs 15, 21 today because we need to find a solution to responsible Christian living. We need to find a solution for Christian maturity. And be sure, friends, the only, God's only solution to make adulting work, God's only plan for Christian maturity is wisdom. And we're looking at one verse in Proverbs proverbs 15 because we need to understand how does a foolish person live and on the other side of the coin how does a wise person live most of the riddles and sayings in the book of proverbs are contrasts and proverbs 15:21 is a contrast itself and we're going to so we're going to contrast the fool and the wise but i'm also going to periodically be asking you a question a question that will allow you to make this personal—to ask yourself, "Am I walking in wisdom?" Here's the question that I'll ask periodically. It's the first line in your notes. Um, Do I ponder my path or impulsively act? Do I ponder my path? or impulsively act. So before we get into this passage, Proverbs 15, 21, I'm gonna pray and ask that the Lord would be our teacher here in this time. Father in heaven, um, we by ourselves, in, of, in and of our own strength, cannot live a prosperous, successful, abundant life for your glory. Um, we're sinners. The weight of our sin is gonna crash down upon us. But God... I believe that your word is clear and your spirit gives life. And you say about your own word, these commandments are given for our good. So God caused us to recognize that in humility today and then to apply this for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, first point, Proverbs twenty 15, 21. Let's read the verse first. Proverbs fifteen twenty one says this. Folly is a joy to him who lacks sense. But a man of understanding walks straight ahead. So this is a contrast. And the first half, when we look at the fool, it's going to be more descriptive, okay? I'm not going to give much instruction. This first half is going to be very descriptive. And the second half, when we look at the wise man, we're going to see very practical instruction. Um, So before we talk about the fool, uh, I want to offer a definition for wisdom. What do I talk about when I say wisdom? Well, I knit this definition together from pastor and author Warren Wearsby. He says, wisdom is the skillful acquisition and application of biblical knowledge for successful everyday living. I'll say that again. Wisdom is the skillful acquisition, and application of biblical knowledge for successful everyday living. He he explains this a little bit more. He says, wisdom keeps us in harmony with the principles and the purposes that the Lord has built into his world so that as we obey God, everything works for us and not against us. This does not mean that we won't experience trials and difficulties because trials and difficulties are a normal part of life but it means that we have the ability to deal with these adversaries successfully so that we grow spiritually and the Lord is glorified. People with wisdom have the skill to face life honestly and courageously and to manage it successfully so that God's purposes are fulfilled in their life. I really like the use of the word skillful to explain wisdom. I'm not a very handy person, I try my best, though, around the home. But usually, uh, uh, if something, a real problem happens and it's not just like resetting the breaker or tightening a knob, I can brainstorm what has to happen. But generally, it'll always end with, let's call the professional. Because I just have to recognize that there are some things that, I, that are, demand skillful training which I don't have. And in the same way, wisdom for successful daily living demands skillful acquisition and application of biblical knowledge. There may be some things in your life where you feel like, yeah, I I feel like I'm a pro at this part of wisdom. And that's great. Praise God. But there may be other aspects of daily living where you just feel like an amateur. And if you touched that thing that you're an amateur at, everything would just go way worse. Which is, which are you a a pro at or an amateur at? I made a list, an alphabetical list of issues which require wisdom that are all spoken about through the book of Proverbs. Listen closely to this alphabetical list. Alcohol, aging, diet and food, finances, forgiveness, integrity, interpersonal relationships, including husbands and wives, children and parents, friends and neighbors, knowing God, leadership, sexuality, speech, substance abuse, work ethic, worshiping God, and youthfulness. Which do you find yourself to be, maybe you're a pro at one of those, but wh- which one are you still an amateur at? We all have foolish tendencies. And frankly, many of us have foolish tendencies that we know are foolish, but they've been normalized into the pattern of our lives. This is the first thing about the fool. Write this down. Uh, the way a fool walks, how does the fool walk? He finds joy. In folly, if you're taking notes, write that down. The way a fool walks, he finds joy in folly. Proverbs 15, 21. Folly is a joy to him who lacks sense. Of all the things I've been praying for for this weekend service, I've been praying that we would be humble. Because if you're not willing to be humble, and if you're wise in your own eyes, there's not much hope for you for Christian maturity. If I think I'm wise in my own eyes and proud, there's not much hope for me. Listen to these verses. Proverbs 11, verse two. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. Proverbs Proverbs 26:12. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for him. I'd like to be honest with the, the things that I recognize in my life, in which I know I have foolish tendencies. Because if I'm asking you to be humble, I need to be humble myself. Remember, there's a question I'm asking to make this personal. In what way do you ponder your path and in what way do you just impulsively act? When I am not pondering my path, I, I am tempted with the foolish tendencies of gluttony and laziness. But by the grace of God, he's been humbling me in these things. And when I give in to these things, it feels like everything just crashes down upon me. But when God humbles me, I change. These foolish tendencies, I didn't have the same joy for them today. I don't have the same joy for them today as I did 10 years ago when the patterns were just starting to be established in my life. I don't have the same joy for them today as I did two years ago. By the grace of God, I don't have the same desire and joy for these today that I did two months ago. But we need to be humble. And if you're humble enough to admit the ways in which you impulsively act, this next part's going to be really helpful for you. Because there are ways which faithful Christians, faithful Christians can Normalize foolish behaviors so that they can justify enjoying the behaviors they know they're wrong. Folly is a joy to him who lacks sense. Here are four ways that we normalize foolish behaviors to justify its enjoyment. Number one, ignoring its existence. I'm not going to stay in church long enough for anyone to ask who I am. not going to get in a small group. Not, I, I, I don't want anyone looking at my life. If I don't talk about it, it's not there. No one asks me about my drinking. It's not there. No one asks me about the way that I'm teaching my kids and being angry at my kids. Not there. Ignoring its existence. And then this, also, refusing its true identity. Well, I, I wouldn't really call over eating gluttony it's not really a stronghold it was kind of just more like a moment of weakness if you refuse to call it what it is it's going to be normalized and then how about this one um deflecting true conviction with humor If everyone's laughing at the way that I drink, if everyone's laughing at the way that I treat my kids, no one's going to actually think it's a serious problem. I'm okay with being the brunt of a joke. Ignoring its existence, refusing its identity, deflecting conviction with humor, and then conceding its normalization. Conceding. All young adults watch porn, don't they? I mean, right? Everyone my age travels everywhere and spends impulsively, right? If you're willing to be humble, then you won't try and find joy in your folly. That's the way a fool thinks. They find joy in what they know is wrong. Remember we're being uh, descriptive. That's the way, excuse me, a fool walks. joined in his folly. Here's the way that a fool thinks. Write this down if you're taking notes. Um, the way the fool thinks, lacking sense. He lacks sense. Proverbs fifteen twenty one. Folly is a joy to him who lacks sense. I remember I was using this verse in a small group with grade seven boys not too long ago. And uh, they had some questions about some of the words. And they're like, what, is, what does folly mean? And it was like, oh man, how to explain this to a grade seven boy? Um, folly is like doing stupid things, right? It's like, oh, okay, okay. It's like, w- w- what does it mean to lack sense? And it was like, oh my goodness. Um, um, lacking sense is uh, s- stupidity. <laughs> So, so here's my grade seven boy translation of Proverbs fifteen twenty one. 21. Um, stupidity makes a stupid person happy. <laughs> but here's the way that I would say it to Christians, faithful Christians who want to be mature. What does it mean to lack sense? To lack sense is to lack the rational decision-making capacity when rational decision-making is required. Lacking sense is to lack the rational decision-making capacity when rational decision-making is required. Do you ponder your path or do you impulsively act? And I I, I believe I know the reason that, that the scripture gives why we lack sense and why we don't think about what we're doing. I had to evaluate my own heart according to this, and, and it's found in the book of James. So I want you to turn there right now. Please turn with me to James. We'll start at chapter one. I believe that the reason faithful Christians lack sense is because they have a double mind. I hope you can see this. This is a bottle of oil and water. We lack sense because we have a double mind. Double mindedness is craving two opposing desires which cannot coexist. I want to have my godly desires, but I also want to have the worldly desires. I want my impulsive purchase, but I also want financial stability. I want a robust devotional life, but I still want to sleep in as much as I can. I want a leadership position, but I don't want to serve anyone. If you could see, it's, it's already starting to separate. These are things that cannot coexist, yet we still crave them. There's two reasons why, two different types of a double mind. First, there's the double mind that's unstable. That's found in James chapter one. I hope you're looking there. James chapter one, verse five. The double mind that's unstable. If anyone, James chapter one, verse five says this. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting for the one who doubts is like a wave on the, the sea driven and tossed by the wind for that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. Is that you? Is that the perspective? Is that the approach that you take to God when you pray? I am always skeptical about infomercials. My wife and I were watching one recently, Gotham Steel, the perfect non-stick pan. You can bake cheese on it, it'll slide right off. And and for a second, uh, we were like, oh wow, that's that's cool. And then I was like, wait, uh, let's go on YouTube and search Gotham Steel Review. (laughs) There are some outrageous claims that infomercials make which is they can't deliver on those claims. But that's not the way we should look at our God. God promises the peace that passes all understanding. Too good to be true. Nothing can separate from you from the love of God. I don't know, maybe. I believe that God delivers on his promises always. Always. But if you need wisdom, yet you approach God with this like, skeptical, infomercial attitude, you're like the captain, captain of a boat who's like, hey, I'll just take my hand off the wheel. See where the waves push me for a while. He's gonna hit a reef sooner or later. The double mind that's unstable is handcuffed and will never find Wisdom and true Christian maturity. There's another double mind, though. Um, It's in James chapter four. It's just one page over. Please turn there with me. James chapter four, verse one to four. There's The double mind that's unstable is skeptical about God's promises. The double mind, here's the second one, the double mind that's insatiable craves but is never satisfied. That's what insatiable is. You crave and you want and you want, but you're never satisfied. James chapter four verse one. Look at this with me. It says, "What causes quarrels and fights among you? Is it not this that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder." you covet and cannot obtain so you fight and quarrel you have not you do not have because you do not ask you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions verse 4 you adulterous people do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with god if you crave Two things, which you know, one is sinful and one is good. You will have neither. And here's how you can know if you have a double mind that's insatiable. You're often angry when you don't get what you want. What causes fights and quarrels? Your passion. I want my impulsive purchase. I, but I also want to be financially stable. Why can't I just get what I? A double mind that's insatiable and a double mind that's unstable will handcuff us from Christian maturity. Which are you prone to? The unstable mind that's skeptical to God or the insatiable mind that craves what it can't have? Do you ponder your path or impulsively act? Okay, we've talked and we've seen a description of the fool. Now, I want to move from description to instruction to give you practical, biblical resources so that you can get wisdom. Let's think about the wise and the way that the wise thinks. Write this down if you're taking notes. I hope you are. The way the wise thinks with understanding. The way the wise thinks. With understanding. Proverbs fifteen twenty one: Folly is a joy to him who lacks sense, but a man of understanding walks straight ahead. While the fool lacks the skillful acquisition and application of biblical knowledge for successful daily living, the wise man is a man of understanding who has acquired and is applying it. To lack senses, to lack the rational decision making capacity when rational decision making is required but to have understanding is to ponder one's path rather than impulsively act. Listen, church, if you want to get wisdom, then you need discipline. If you're going to get the skillful acquisition and application of biblical knowledge, you need to discipline yourself towards this. And that takes effort. Uh, Most of us if we have a uh, a cell phone are pretty comfortable taking pictures with their cell phone It's pretty easy I'm already in my app and I can even take a picture right now. Look at you Dan. Oh, man. What's up, buddy? That's good. There's my picture look. I can even show it to you. How easy was that Dan? You look so happy man Oh my goodness But if you look at this picture, it's kind of grainy and it, was a, it is a highlight situation, so there's lots of light. But what if it was low light? You, you probably won't get a decent picture out of that. God wants the highest quality of Christian maturity for you. And if you're going to have the highest quality, you need to put the effort in to learn discipline. But you might look at, if you want to take high quality pictures and this is so big and, and there's so many buttons and, and there's just one button on here and it's just okay. Do I, do, I, do I really have to put all this work? Yes. If you're going to have the discipline to be able to skillfully acquire and apply biblical knowledge, you got to put the work in. You got to put the work in. Moreover, um, we don't just need discipline to be able to acquire and apply biblical knowledge for successful everyday wisdom. If we're going to get wisdom, then we need to amplify wisdom. Listen to this verse in Proverbs chapter 1 verse 20. It says this, wisdom cries aloud in the streets. In the marketplaces, she raises her voice. At the head of a noisy street, she cries out. In Proverbs chapter 1, the writer personifies wisdom as a woman standing in a crowded marketplace, and there's lots of voices talking, lots of people telling you how it can live, but she stands where everyone can see her and cries out, come simple ones, come to me. Come find me and I will guide you. I will protect you. If she's going to take the effort to call out to us, why don't we amplify her so that she's the loudest voice and drowns out every other one? We need to amplify wisdom. How are we going to do that? Well, Amp- wisdom is amplified by uh, the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord amplified by the cross of Christ. This is the way that the wise thinks with understanding. They're going to be disciplined. They're going to go get wisdom and they're going to amplify it. Acquire and apply wisdom through the fear of the Lord amplified by the cross of Christ. What is the fear of the Lord? You've probably heard that term before There are patterns in scripture that show us what the fear of the Lord is There are unique circumstances where individual human beings found themselves before the presence of a holy 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 God And when these individuals found themselves there they all responded in the same four ways this is the pattern of the fear of the Lord here's the first part of the pattern revelation revelation God made himself known he made known to Isaiah to Ezekiel to Peter Uh, he is holy and I'm a sinner I'm a dirty sinner he is holy Here's the second part of the pattern. Revelation and then trauma. Trauma. He's holy. I'm a dirty sinner. And they all respond in the same way. I deserve to die. When I see how holy he is and how sinful I am, I deserve to die. Trauma. It's more than respect. The fear of the Lord is way more than respect. It's traumatizing. Revelation, trauma, and then third, this, grace. And not just the ab- an abstract concept of grace, but a word, a gracious word, fitly spoken by God to the traumatized human. Moses was traumatized and God said, I will be with you. Isaiah was traumatized and God said, your sin is atoned for. Ezekiel was traumatized and God said, stand to your feet. Peter was traumatized and Jesus said, do not be afraid. Revelation, trauma, grace, and then this fourth part of the pattern, reverence. Reverence. You can't get to the reverence before God if you haven't been first hit with the trauma And reverence is the attitude that we walk in that enables us to gain wisdom. Respect is the attitude that I have before another human being because I recognize we're equal, so I'm going to treat you respectfully. Reverence is the attitude I have before God. You're not equal to me. You are infinitely greater than me, so I will revere you and be an awe of you. The fear of the Lord amplified by the cross of Christ. You want to get the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You want to get the fear of the Lord? It will be amplified when you stand in faith before the cross of Christ. The cross shows us a true revelation. Jesus didn't deserve to suffer. He never sinned. I deserve to be crucified. I deserve the wrath of God. Revelation. Trauma. I deserve that. I don't deserve to be in your presence. I don't deserve breath. I don't deserve heaven. I don't deserve abundant life. I don't deserve prosperous living through wisdom. I deserve death grace. Romans 5 says, where sin increases, grace abounds all the more. For by grace you are saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. Revelation, trauma, grace, and reverence. You want to have a reverent attitude? Then get 1 Peter 1, verse 17 and 19 in your Bible memory verse bank. 1 Peter 1, verse 17 and 19. It says this. If you call on him as father, do you like that song, Good, Good Father? You like singing that one? Okay, this is for you then. If you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear in the time of your exile. Why? knowing that you've been ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, ransomed with what? Not with perishable things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without spot or blemish. When you stand before the cross of Christ that's when you will have the fear of God. That's when you'll be in the right place to acquire and apply wisdom. You want to do it? You want to acquire and apply wisdom skillfully? Then we need another amplification. First, the fear of God amplified by the cross of Christ. Also, the word of God amplified by the spirit of Christ. You want to acquire and apply biblical knowledge, you gotta get into here. And if you are a follower of Jesus, then God has given you His Holy Spirit. Jesus said that His Holy Spirit is given to us that He might bring to remembrance everything that He taught. Do you remember that parable that Jesus told about the two builders? Do you remember that one? You can actually respond, it's okay. <laughs> Some of you remember that, yeah? So there was the wise man who built his house on the rock and then the fool who built his house on the sand. Dave, Dave do you remember what um, the rock was that Jesus said the wise builds upon? Yeah, what is it? Do you know? Pardon me? Yeah, well, Jesus said that the rock is it, my word, right? He said not just that the word is a foundation, but it's hearing and doing the word of God. If you want to get wisdom, you gotta be more than a hearer of the word. You gotta be a doer of the word. You might've heard from scripture, I know what I'm supposed to do about alcohol. That's great. Are you doing it? You might have heard from scripture, I know how I'm supposed to act with my kids. That's great. Are you doing it? You might have heard the way that you're supposed to work and the effort you're supposed to put into it, but are you doing it? Jesus said in John chapter 13, blessed are those, if you you know these things, blessed are those who do them. The blessing of the word of God, the skillful application for successful daily living isn't just in the hearing. If you leave here today and do nothing about what you've heard, you get no blessing, zero blessing. But if you hear and do, then you will be enabled to have wisdom for successful daily living. That's what it means to have understanding. The fear of God amplified by the cross of Christ will enable you to get wisdom. The word of God amplified by the spirit of Christ will enable you to get wisdom. So tell me, do you ponder your path or impulsively act? The way that the wise thinks, the wise thinks with understanding. What about the way that the wise walks? What's it going to look like if you actually apply and do this? We'll write this down if you're taking notes. The way that the wise walks is straight ahead. Proverbs fifteen twenty one: Folly is a joy to him who lacks sense, but a man of understanding walks straight ahead the results of wisdom skillfully acquired and applied will ultimately express itself in self-control. I remember a young boy, young boys asking me in Harvest Youth, more than just one, there's been several young boys who have asked this same question. Uh, If I'm going to follow Jesus, does that mean I can't have fun anymore? And I'm sympathetic to that question, very sympathetic to that question, because fun and the culture of fun for young people is all built around impulsive spontaneity. That was like my life in high school, right? And then we're told we have to have self-control. We've got to walk straight ahead. And it was like, can I, uh, well, I, I get, well, I'm supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. So I guess I can't have fun anymore. Remember, the book of Proverbs has contrasts. And this verse is a contrast. It says that the fool, uh, folly is a joy to him who lacks sense. Since this is a contrast, that should mean that there is a joy for the wise man of understanding as well. And not just any kind of joy, but a greater joy from living in the way that honors God. The joy of the wise is like a homemade slow-roast dinner while the fool's joy is a cheap, microwavable meal. The joy of the wise is like an authentic, handcrafted original while the joy of the fool is a cheap and shoddy knockoff. The fool chooses joy for himself now, not knowing that it will lead to his destruction later, while the wise chooses self-control now for success later. The fool chooses joy for himself at the expense of others, while the wise find their joy by working for the joy of others. Where do you find your joy? Do you ponder your path or impulsively act? Folly is a joy to him who lacks sense, but the man of understanding walks straight ahead. And church, if you go get wisdom if you search for it like a treasure, then you will be enabled to gain that Christian maturity that seems to escape you, to solve that puzzle that seems unsolvable, to build that house that you feel like keeps crashing down upon you. And you'll have joy as you do it. The joy that comes from walking straight ahead honors God, creates success for yourself and for others, and it glorifies God. And shouldn't that be what the church is all about? As we seek God's glory, I don't work for my own good. I work for the good of others. You may be here today and you're just curious about the Christian faith. You wouldn't call yourself a Christian, but you hear what the Proverbs say and it's like, I kind of want successful living. I kind of want to have everything ordered rightly so that I'm prosperous in abundance. Well, then you need to know something. True success isn't what you can accumulate for yourself now. True wisdom isn't even working for the good of others now. True wisdom ultimately comes from a right relationship with God. You can have a successful life day by day more than any other Christian you will ever meet, but if you don't recognize the fear of the Lord, if you haven't yet and don't believe in Jesus, that he died in your place for your sins, then you'll have a successful life, get before the judgment seat of God, and the Lord will ask you, what did you do with my son Jesus? But look at all, look, but God, look at the successful life I had. What did you do with my son Jesus? But look, my kids got a great education and they married good people and they were good civil. What did you do with Jesus Christ? True successful wisdom isn't living for yourself. It's found by believing in Jesus Christ. Corinthians chapter one, first Corinthians chapter one says that Jesus became our righteousness and wisdom and peace. Wisdom, true wisdom, true success can only come from that. And if you have yet to believe in Jesus, then recognize that your foolish patterns aren't just habits that are bad. In the eyes of God, they are sin and rebellious and deserving of wrath. But Jesus died in your place. Believe on him and you will be saved. Church Christians, faithful Christians, all have foolish, sinful patterns. Do you ponder your path or do you impulsively act? The way that the fool acts, he just finds joy in his folly. He lacks sense because he's double-minded. The wise though, the wise thinks with understanding. The fear of God amplified by the cross of Christ. The word of God amplified by the spirit of Christ. And the wise walks straight ahead. Let's be a church that's characterized by this, ourselves. Would you stand with me as we pray? Father in heaven, we recognize that we are lost apart from you. Apart from you, we can do nothing. And if we were left to our own devices and our own faculties, we would crash and burn. And maybe we could find a day, a year, a season of good, successful living, maybe even a life, but not eternity. We would be lost. But in Jesus, thank you, Lord, that we have eternal life. So Father, motivate us in the name of Jesus to go get wisdom to go get wisdom and to walk straight ahead, not living for ourselves, but for you who for our sake died and rose again. Lord, we offer this prayer in Jesus' name, amen.